Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the Delicious Podcast Christmas series with me, Jilly Smith. And this week I'm with Ken Hom, the man who brought the wok to British cooking. We'll be talking about his Christmas as a boy in Chicago's Chinatown, his homes in Paris and Bangkok, and what he cooks for his house full of guests for Christmas lunch. But first, he shows me how to make Cantonese crispy noodles with chicken at the Dorchester's Chinatown restaurant kitchen. I asked him why it's something he just can't do without during the feasting season. Because, number one, it's easy. Um, you know, when you, you have Christmas, uh, it's so stressful uh, because you have so many people over. You, you, um, you've been cooking all this time, making a lot of preparations, etc., so you're sort of exhausted and, uh, and you want some comforting food. And this is why I love this dish, because it's easy to make, it's wonderful, it's always successful, and, and it's so easy to do, which is perfect for, uh, uh, you know, after the big Christmas feast, after you've been drinking and everything like that. I mean, how do you chill out? I mean, what do you... <laughs> we have strips of chicken here, which we put some salt and pepper on it. That's how easy it is. This you can actually do ahead of time. So if you're preparing, um, you have a busy Christmas, you can have this in the fridge sitting, mm-hmm. and you mix some corn flour to that strips of chicken. That's going to crisp it up a little bit. No, that's it? not going to crisp up, because we're doing a technique called velveting. I'll show you why in a moment. Uh, we're not frying the uh, actual chicken, but we're cooking it in a little bit of water. And we're just taking it in and out, and then we're going to uh, we're going to do the noodles first. Mm-hmm. And this is another thing which is very nice, because you can fry this ahead of time before everybody comes. In other words, you can even do the do it the day before if you want. Now, the noodles you can either pan fry it or uh, you can just uh, uh, deep fry it a little bit. So when you say that you can do the noodles ahead of time, does that mean that you can fry them? No, no. You, you, uh, you blanch them to soften them and then you cook them in... Uh, uh, you fry them in the oil, yeah. like this. What kind of oil is that? Oh, just, uh, that's just groundnut oil, which is very good. By the way, groundnut oil is, is wonderful for making uh, uh, fish and chips. <laughs> so it is the heavier of the oils, isn't it? Yeah, and, and 
what, what is nice about it, it can withstand a very high temperature, which is what's really nice about um, uh, groundnut oil. And, and so you can get it super, super hot without it abs uh, absorbing into the meat or, you know, the vegetables. Those noodles now are beautifully crispy. Yeah. They took, what, 30 exactly. seconds? Yeah. They were <laughs> exactly. not going to like this. You know, I love to do this because when I entertain, I hate this thing where everybody's having a good time except me. Why? Because <laughs> I'm working. Yeah. I mean, I hate that. And everybody is laughing, drinking champagne. <laughs> <laughs> now, what's interesting about this is that you're leaving these cooked noodles to drain in exactly. a sort of a colander, a sieve. Right up there and which means that they are not oily they're very exactly. beautifully crisp because that's a hell of a lot of oil that yes, you're using exactly there. exactly and, and that's the beauty of doing this ahead of time is that you have it crispened at a very high temperature you let it drain and what i usually do i let it drain like this and then i put it on uh, kitchen paper so it's not oily at, at all which is really um, the beauty of, of this dish mm -hmm. How do you heat the, um, the noodles later? Uh, no, you don't heat the noodles. In fact, that's the beauty of it. Uh, the, the noodles don't have to be hot. See? Because they're already cooked. Uh, now, you're flipping those yeah. noodles there. Yeah. You, of course, introduced the wok to Britain <laughs> back in 1984 with that extraordinary, groundbreaking uh, Scary, series. <laughs> Ken Hong's Chinese cookery. It's amazing. Yeah. Does it feel whenever you go into somebody's house and you see these blocks everywhere? It's all your fault. Well, it makes me happy. <laughs> you made a fortune. Yeah. What, what is really wonderful is that people have it in their kitchens. And so I'm sort of like their kitchen god. And, yeah. I, and I love that. I mean, that, I mean it, seriously, it has actually transformed British cooking. Yes, I mean, we absolutely. don't just use it for Chinese yes. food. We use it for Thai food. Which we is use great. It for Indian food. And it's fast. It's quick. It, it, I think it's one of those things that um, it was at the right place at the right time. Um, people's lives were moving faster, um, and they were uh, people wanted everything quick. Washing that out. Yeah, just, just, just some water. This is a bamboo uh, brush, and because this is so hot that you don't even have time to muck around. <laughs> now, there's two ways you could do this. You could do this in oil, or this is a uh, healthier way, which is velveting the chicken in a little bit of uh, just plain water. And what we mean by velveting is we're, we're taking the chicken and we're plunging it in the hot water, taking it out immediately. Now, that doesn't mean it's not going to cook, we're going to cook it again. So, um, it's, like, it's like blanching. Yes, exactly. We're actually we're blanching the meat. So to speak. And what's the point of that? Well, it's to partially cook it so that. Let me ask you. To partially cook it, um, but not cook it sort of too much. Yeah. You know, I, nothing is worse than overcooked anything. So I'm just turning off the water. So you brought that water to the Good boil. Swirling it around. Already in the corn flour. Right. Right, and, and egg white. And egg white. Okay. So the we egg white is, is kind of poaching in there. Yes. Yeah. We're just swirling that around, and that's partially cooking it. Now remember, we're going to cook it again later. So you're taking it straight out? Yes, straight out. And we're letting it sit. And remember, as it sits, it continues to cook. 
See, that's what a lot of people don't realize about foods. Um, you know, I always tell people when they're making their Christmas roast to let it sit outside and rest for at least half an hour or more because people are afraid that it will get cold. And, you know, that's the, the thing about uh, cooking that chefs know about. You know, that you, you, you must be really... Uh, Vigilant, not overcooking. Nothing is worse than yeah. <laughs> dried out. And the wonderful roast. thing about Christmas is that everybody's in one place. Nobody really moves. You've exactly. got time, That's right. haven't you? Even for this incredibly fast cooking. Right. What are you doing now? Okay, now we're just going to heat up the wok again. And we add a tiny bit of oil to this. And what we'll do is we'll... Um, cook the, uh, the chicken. So this is in the ground nut oil? Yes. Very much oil. And then I'm going to add a little bit of chicken stock. So I'll just give it a, a little, what we call uh, the flavor of the wok. At that point I'm just going to take that out for a second again. Now I'm making the sauce, and so you can use that with chicken, chicken stock. stock, exactly. Oyster sauce, which is essential for this. And this is a very southern Cantonese thing. This is something I grew up with. I mean, uh, this is in Chicago, Chinatown. Yes, where you exactly. This soy sauce. Yeah, a little bit. Mm, wonderful rice wine. And you know what's really interesting to see things that when I started cooking, it wasn't available. It's available now. Everywhere. Everywhere. You can yeah. buy it in supermarkets. Yeah. Just a little bit of pepper, which is nice. How was that when you were actually doing the BBC well, series back well, in the 80s? Because the ingredients weren't really available, were And you have, to, you have to say, well, we tried to be as authentic as possible. and But at the same time, we also tried to uh, let people... They said, substitute this if you can't get that. So things like rice wine was not available. Uh, so I said, you know, use dry share. I tell you, it's really funny when people quote me on that. I mean, when people uh, say, oh, if you can't get rice wine, use dry share. <laughs> and now, of course, nobody would ever do that. Because you don't need to. No, you can buy it in your supermarket, which is amazing. I mean, that it, is... I've seen this country uh, transformed as far as food is concerned. And I think that has a lot also to do with the food retailing business. Yeah. I mean, they've been very good at, at moving and, and making, um, you know, food in this country is so cosmopolitan and is wonderful. And of course, it's a win-win for them. They yes, create new markets, exactly. and people lap it up. Yes, they do. Um, because we're so open to ideas, we're much more diverse society than, yeah, say, France, where you live. Exactly. And what are you putting in there? Oh, just a little bit more oyster sauce. I like it. I oh, like it. Oyster sauce. Yeah. You're not tasting at the moment. No, I guess. Um, you know, when you're cooking, also too, I think instinct is important too. Yeah, it's important to taste, but also. Mm, that's lovely. And at the very end, I'm going to add bean sprouts, not to actually cook them, and add the chicken, 
we turn the chicken back to walk. Give that a really lovely stir. And just let that sit while we take our noodles, which we'll put in a plate. It's quite light as well, isn't it? Exactly. And, and that's actually what you need. You don't need something heavy after you've been drinking all, all day and eating heavy food. Spooning over that lovely yeah. chicken with bean sprouts in that beautiful velvety oyster sauce yeah. over the noodles. And what is lovely is you have the chicken and you have the crispiness of the uh, noodles and the freshness of the bean sprouts. I mean, it's sort of after the big plunger Christmas. <laughs> Would you, you would have this every Christmas, would you? Oh, I ab absolutely. Because, number one, I know it's easy. I know it's a big hit. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, you always do what is a sure thing. <laughs> Don't experiment. <laughs> After the break, we sit down to eat those noodles and find out what Christmas was like for him growing up in Chicago's Chinatown. This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you? If people send you the same generic conversation starters, they message everyone else. Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I didn't grow up with Christmas because I grew up in Chinatown and. Um, so it was a new thing to me. Uh, I mean, as I mean, I love my mom dearly, but uh, she didn't buy me prayers or anything because we, well, she didn't believe in that, and uh, she didn't have a tradition of that because she came from China. Um, but also, she was a single mom. Your dad died when you were one. You grew up in a very hard environment. She had to yes. work very hard to to look after you, didn't she? And uh, thanks to her, I mean. Somebody had asked me, you know, can, you know, what do you attribute your success to? I said, to my mom, you know, and uh, with her values. And um, and she was really good at uh, uh, giving me the love and affection, which actually was transmitted through food yeah. as well. So even though we were poor, we still ate well. I mean, what I meant was I could have eaten more, but yeah. <laughs> I didn't eat enough. Tell me about how Christmas felt be, being an American Chinese. It was funny because um, before I started working at age 11, there was all these um, uh, Christmas trees uh, that I would see outside of Chinatown. And people would have them in their windows. 
And I, I remember once I was invited um, because I was in Chinatown to show Chinese children what Christmas was like in an American family. And they had all these prezies, and, um, which I thought, this is nice. <laughs> <laughs> not something you'd experience. No, but I was pretty horrified at seeing uh, their Christmas turkey, which was the biggest thing I've ever seen in my life. I said, my God, this would feed all of Chinatown. <laughs> it's so big. <laughs> it was frightening, actually. <laughs> so did your mother pay any heed to the Christmas meal? No, my mother said, uh, number one, uh, we would never eat turkey because it's it's too big and it's overcooked mm-hmm. uh, and um, I mean it was the furthest thing from our mind I mean we probably maybe would have duck or something and we did not have a traditional Christmas uh, Christmas actually came later in my life when I was going to uh, university with friends um, you know they were uh, American or friends from Europe and we would do Christmas together. And for the first time, I loved that because I could do, um, you know, actually, I, I, I do make a mean turkey <laughs> in a different way uh, because I, I had boned it out and I steamed it, stuffed with glutinous rice. And then at the very end, um, I would crisp the skin by pouring hot oil over it. And it was really good. (laughs) So, I mean, that's the glorious thing about, you know, mixing different food cultures. And a lot of places in the world don't allow that, including your residency now in in France. They don't really play with other ideas. But how wonderful that must have been for your university friends. Did everybody just pop with pleasure? Well, yes, everybody loved it. And, of course, uh, you know, we had good drinks and occasional smoke a joint or something like that so everybody was happy (laughs) this is Berkeley California in the 1970s yeah but you know what's nice about food today um it's like young people today we there are no borders and barriers anymore we're talking about a global world and you can see that in food um you know all the things that were considered like French or Italian um or Chinese or Vietnamese, the barriers are being broken everywhere. Really? Even in Paris where you live? Oh, absolutely. Some of the best top restaurants in Paris now are are Japanese. True. Doing uh, Chinese food. There's a Korean guy who's doing fabulous uh, mixtures of French and Korean uh, things, which is sort of the talk of the town wow. now. It's interesting. We last bumped into each other at ZestQuest Asia, um, Cyrus Todd Waller's uh, response to, to the fact that young people are not learning Asian food on the typical culinary curriculum. And you would think that young cookery students tasting all the time would, would, would need Chinese and Asian food as part of their culinary repertoire. Especially in today's world where um, all these Asian cultures are part of the DNA of our culture. I mean, Absolutely. And we have many Asians uh, uh, living here very well integrated uh, which doesn't mean they have to reject what they, they ate. Um, what they uh, ate has validity as well and it should be taught just like um, when we learn histories of other countries it's the same thing we should learn about their history too and their food I think 
A lot of people don't realize that uh, Chinese food has never been codified um, the way French cooking and even Italian cooking. You have books about how to do this, uh, um, especially people like Escoffier and even Karen, way back, Antoine Karen, sort of did a thing about how to make um, certain types of things. Now, I understand, for instance, pastries has to be codified because of the, the chemical element. If I mean, if you add too much of one thing, butter, to puff pastry, you're going to have a disaster, yeah. <laughs> right? It doesn't yeah. work. But we don't have that tradition of pastry in Chinese cooking. We don't have um, uh, the preciseness of cooking. I, and you know that when you... Um, when I had my cooking school in Hong Kong, all these different chefs I talked to, they all made like one dish so differently. They made it there. There's an outline of, I mean, they have a rough idea of like, what, what one should do. A lot of it is just plain no common sense. Yeah, yeah. You get the wok hot, you add the oil. These are things that you, basic techniques that you learn. Yeah. But the taste of the food is very personal yeah. and individualistic, yeah. which is what's actually happening with food all over the world today. Yeah. Um, you don't go to um, a French restaurant. You go to Robochon's restaurant. It's you very go much about the signature, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, it's their type. And so a, a good chef would have particular tastes. I mean, when I created restaurants for hotels and other people I put in what I like to eat I, I love western food but at the same time I love Chinese as well and and um, as my horizons expanded to Thai and Vietnamese I began to incorporate all these different things I was not chauvinistic about food. Yeah. If it was good, use it. Yeah. That sort of thing. And, of course, you live in Thailand part of the time. You, you have a house in Bangkok, yeah? Yes. I, I, I love the fact that not only can you go to markets, but you have restaurants that uh, do very innovative food. Even, um, I mean, they take Thai food and not so-called deconstruct it, but they make it different, not traditional, heavy uh, make it lighter to meet today's needs because people don't need all that uh, sort of carbohydrate. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Tell me about your Christmas this year. What are you going to do? Where are you going to be? Well, this Christmas I'll be, uh, as always, in Bangkok. And uh, what I love to do is uh, invite friends over for Christmas Day. And usually I do one or two sort of dishes that that I can make in advance. I love that because I can freeze it so that on, on the very day I can relax and drink as much champagne as all my guests do. <laughs> I hate, I mean, uh, cooking as if I was in a restaurant and oh, you know, all my friends are having a good time. I mean, that's not fun. What are you going to cook? I'll probably, uh, you know, I'll probably do a braised pork belly because pork belly is so good in, in Thailand um, and of course it could be made in advance and it's a kind of braised pork belly that everybody loves it's, uh, you can cut it with a chopstick I mean it's, it's so tender it's easy to eat 
and um, you can make a rich sauce with it, which is kind of Christmassy because richness is part of what Christmas is about. Yeah, what would you use? And uh, I would use um, a stock that I would make over two weeks with things in it like chicken feet and pig's trotters and everything. So it's rich and gelatinous. <laughs> I love that kind of stuff. <laughs> and then I would probably put in some oyster sauce or uh, fermented bean sauce and something I've learned in Thailand living in Thailand is uh, the fish sauce which actually an equivalent the Romans had to use too you know, uh, which is amazing really? yeah they had to use a, a, a fermented type of fish sauce to flavor their food it, it was really uh, you know very highly seasoned and somebody discovered it I, I, I wonder if they bought it from Asia uh, but anyway, um, you know, all those kinds of things uh, is a mixture of taste that I know, that I'm careful about. And of course, I make sure I taste everything before <laughs> I freeze it. And also, I can take all the sort of fat out of the sauce before. And then so it will be rich, but sort of not um, coily and clingy and you know, horrible, greasy in your mouth. Um, Served with what? I would probably... You know, Thailand has such a wonderful organic jasmine rice. It would be a shame. Uh, you know, I had thought of about serving it with potatoes, but somehow it doesn't seem right. And jasmine rice in Thailand is just so wonderful. I mean, very Merry Christmas to you, Ken. Thank you very much. And now we're going to tuck into this fabulous Chinese noodles. Merry Christmas to everyone. Thanks for listening to the Delicious Podcast. Next week, we'll be talking turkey with farmer Paul Kelly, whose bronze wild turkeys live in the woods for six months and have been endorsed by Delia, Nigella and Jamie Oliver. I'll see you then. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. 
The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait. Is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable splash refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with splash refresher. 